You have the best seat in the house. Welcome to the front row for the Utah Jazz. I'm your host, Holly Rowe, and we have the best guest today because you are the most interesting man in the jazz organization. This is our vice president of global scouting, international scouting. And Luca Desta, you have you have got a real variety of skill set for the Utah Jazz. But I want to start here. Fluent in five languages. Why? What languages and why? Well, um, the languages are French, Italian, Spanish, English, Amharic, and then you can add it Eritrean in there. But I don't really practice it that much anymore. But I was born in Ethiopia. My mom's Italian. My father's Ethiopian. And then I went to a French school because they went to a French school. That's where they met. And um, yeah, that was pretty much it. And then you know, I was born. As soon as I was born, like my I was speaking four different languages already. Like, I, you know, with my grandparents, it was either Italian or Amharic. And then with my parents, it was either French <laughs> or or Amharic or Italian. Um, and so then that was it. And then obviously I went, you know, when I was going to school, I went, you know, I learned English and Spanish. Spanish was easy because I already knew French and Italian. And uh, yeah, that was it. How does that impact your ability to go around the globe and scout talent because you can communicate everywhere you go? Yeah, it makes it easy, to be honest. Um, and also, it's it's easier to make build relationships, to make relationships. And then I feel very comfortable traveling around the world. Um, and, you know, again, just, you know, it's funny. So, and then when I turn it on, it's it's, it's just some people are like, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, how, how can you do this? And then, and, I, and it's not until I got here, and when people made me realize, you know, that sometimes actually you can dream in different languages and then they're like, well, in what language do you dream? And I'd never really thought about that until someone brought it up. And I'm like, it just depends who's in my dream, <laughs> really, to be honest. Like, I love that. Uh, I, I've been trying to learn French for many years and I finally got to the point, I was in France for a month and I did start dreaming in yeah. French and I thought, aha, my brain has finally clicked. There you go. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to start here because we were having this conversation um, about Simone. So Simone Fontecchio has been kind of this hidden gem and you really could point to the turnaround of the Utah Jazz season is when Simone Fontecchio started in, in the lineup as a starter because of his energy, his defense, his presence, his length, a, a million reasons. Yeah. How did you find Simone Fontecchio in Italy? Oof. Um, so, you know, as you know, every year, like I just go scouting whether it's draft prospects or potential free agents and two years ago um obviously one of my schedules was basically going to go see Wemby you know uh and then Wemby at the time was playing for Asvel which is Tony Parker's team and Asvel is in the EuroLeague um so so then I was like okay you know like let me go see Wemby play I want to see him in the EuroLeague setting you know playing against men and the higher competition because EuroLeague is pretty much the best competition after the NBA. And it's physical. I've it's watched some of physical. his games. Yeah. It's super physical. And uh, so in one of those trips, I scheduled it where I was going to see uh, Wemby play a few times, EuroLeague setting, and then, you know, LMB, which is pro A setting. And then at the same time, you know, just add up a few games, you know, where I can go see some pros, you know. Uh, and then, you know, I have some guys who work with me, you know, some consultants, you know, one is, one is Greek, one is French, the other one is Croatian. So they all bring amazing things on the table and uh so you know i get to spend some time with them you know wherever we wherever i need to go so so i, I go watch simone one time and they're playing barcelona and he wasn't that great at that game he wasn't good uh you know he struggled shooting the ball early and 
And I think they beat Barcelona on the road because they were playing on the road. And then I go see him again. They're hosting Wemby in Basconia, which is in the middle of nowhere in Spain. And you're like, man, this is a team. That, this is a EuroLeague team in the middle of nowhere. So, And it's his birthday. And it's Simone's birthday too. So, And uh, I watch guys warm up, watch Wemby, you know, incredible. And Simone had a pretty good game. Like he shot the ball well and then, you know, finishing in transition and defending and so but we had Simone as a group too. We had him on our radar uh as a potential free agent. So uh and obviously as the season went on, you know, he played well. He was one of the best players in Europe. Uh and that made it and then his situation, right? Twenty six years old at the time, that's actually great for our timeline, right? You're looking for a guy that's mature, super pro, uh, that can maybe, you know, can his game translate in the NBA. So obviously one thing translated really well, which was his shooting. But then, you know, there was questions about his athleticism, you know, mobility. Hey, can, you know, can he sustain it, you know, playing with super athletes, super freaks here? Um, but And then obviously the intel part also was easy. I mean, the guy's a great kid, you know, and he was at the top of our list. And uh, what made the decision easier too was, so Simone worked out, when he was coming out in the draft, he worked out for one NBA team, and that team was the Boston Celtics. So Danny Gaines. So, Danny, so Danny was familiar. <laughs> So this is not a hard sell. You're like, hey, I like this kid. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I remember working yeah. him out. Yeah. And so then it was summer league. And, you know, we, after the trades and whatever, we, uh, Danny, you know, sat me and Chuck and Bart and Steven and just Justin. He was like, hey, so, you know, give me two, three names, international guys that we can, you know, maybe look at and possibly sign, you know, based on what we had, you know, based on the money we had left. Um and so we looked at all three guys, you know, out, outside of, and you know, other than Simone. And then Simone made a lot of sense, you know, because of the timeline, his age, and the position we were looking for. Uh, and then obviously my relationship with, with his agent. And I didn't know Simone personally at the time, so, but I knew his agent very well. His agent was a good friend of mine. So, you know, then, you know, Justin was like, hey, pick the phone up and call Mateo and, and see if they're interested. And so it, it makes it easy for me too because of the language and mm. and all of that. So then, you know, we got the deal done, and, you know, and then, you know, obviously the first year with him was, was yeah. a struggle. I was going to ask you about that because, you know, what's going through your mind last year and, and even how are you helping Simone be patient? Because he was yeah. really buried on the bench. I, I'm sure he was getting frustrated because he's like, no, I'm as good as some of these guys out here. No. How would, did you help him be patient through that process? I give him a lot of credit, to be honest, because of his personality uh, and, and the person that he is, because he's he's a true pro. He's a pro's pro. Like, he was always ready, you know, when his name was called upon. Um, and, you know, he did his work. He came in early, you know, left late, uh, did his work. He didn't miss a beat, you know. whether. But listen, we're humans, right? Like, you don't play for 10 straight games, 15 straight games, I get it. Like, you know, like you're frustrated, your head is down. But uh, I give him a lot of credit because also we have a great, great staff around him, right? Around the players, you know, whether it's performance, performing staff or our coaching staff, uh, front office, whatever, you know, the case may be. Like, we do a good job, you know, just just helping those guys, you know, whether it's off the court or on the court, but mostly off the court because, you know, they're pros and they come in, they do their work, and we try to, you know, um, maximize their ability right so in terms of just hey all you got to worry about is just playing basketball like we'll take care of the rest for you guys and yeah. simone did that and i give him a lot of credit because you know he, i mean he's a type of player that's played 30 32 minutes you know a night in europe at the highest level 
you know, and then here he gets DMPs and all that, but he stuck with it. He, he really stuck with it, and I think he, uh, you know, he got accustomed to, you know, it takes time, you know, to get uh, used to the game here, the speed and all that. So thought he could, did, did a good job, and I think also him playing in the World Cup this past summer helped him tremendously. Now, now he's an NBA starter, so good job, success story. Yeah. A- any other stories, you know, you go way back to starting out as an intern yes. with the Dallas Mavericks. Who was your mentor kind of getting you started in the scouting business and how have they helped you get to where you are today? Yeah, so it's two, it's two guys. It's uh, Donnie Nelson um, and uh, Amadou Galofal, who he's currently with the BAL, which is Basketball Africa League, and he's the president of that league. Uh, so, you know, I played in this tournament called the Global Games and in 2005, um, before I started going to college. And it's basically a tournament under 21, uh, you know, that brings all different national teams together. And Donnie's the one that pretty much, you know, put it together. And uh, so I was able to play. I tried out for this team called African Select Team. And I had to try out for the team and I made the team. Uh, and we were coached by Fran Fischilla. So, and then uh, then we had other teams that we played against. So we had Team USA, Puerto Rico, Ukraine, and USA had Rudy Gay, JJ Redick, Reja Rondo, Aaron Brooks. I mean, I get Ronnie Brewer, former Jazz. Uh, it was great. It was a great tournament. You know, that's when I pretty much realized that for me, playing basketball was going to be it. So, and I was really intrigued with the front office stuff. Uh, so Donnie and Amadou, you know, uh, were also intrigued with my background, you know, and played a little bit of basketball. Hey, speak all these languages. And then, you know, as you know, Dallas is always known as this team that attracted or drafted, found international players. Um, and Donnie had this vision, you know, about, um, you know, just signing, you know, finding gems, right, uh, outside of the U.S. And so did Amadou. So. Um, so they were intrigued with my background and, you know, they asked me what I wanted to do. And I, I was fortunate enough to say that, um, you know, I just wanted to be in the front office and not on the coaching side or, or playing or you know, whatever. So they gave me an internship opportunity in 2005 and here I am today. So you've won an NBA championship with the Mavs in 2011. Yes. You've been here with the Utah Jazz since 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to read this tweet to you because I just, oh. I, I think this is so cute. Back in 2019, January 12th, 2019, mm-hmm. you will hear this name often, Ochai Abaji, unranked freshman from Kansas City, Missouri for KU Hoops. Listed at 65210, Abaji pulled his redshirt and had his debut on Tuesday against TCU. Very intriguing prospect with great physical specs, freak athlete, versatile on D. You nailed it. Um, how do you see players and imagine what they will translate like in the NBA because you were spot on about Ochai. Well, uh, so at the time, actually, I, I took a sabbatical, so I was in between jobs. So I left the NBA, um, and then, you know, I wanted to get back into it with an NBA team. So I took a sabbatical, and I was helping a friend, uh, Matt Babcock, who was starting this media outlet called Babcock. Right, because you normally wouldn't tweet about people tweet. you're scouting. You want to keep these yeah. gems to yourself. Yeah. That's just good to witness. Yeah, no, yes. I, yeah, I don't tweet. So, like, but I was helping him, and, you know, so, and, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you're still in the game, you're going to college games, and this and that. So, like, I just, and I, I watched Ochai, like, in person, warming up, and he was incredible as a freshman in terms of just physical specs, like I said, and the athleticism, and he was so young, and he was intriguing. You know, um, and I'm glad that he stayed there for four years, <laughs> you know, and then he was able to come here. So I remember and I was with the Lakers when we interviewed him in the draft com- at the draft combine. And he was only a uh, junior. 
And um, he, you know, he thought about coming out and I was like, why? He said, well, because I think I'm ready. And I'm like, well, um, if you come out, you're probably going to be in the G League for, you know, for a while before you play in the NBA. And then next thing you know, uh, you know, he, he, I guess he decided to go back to school and won a championship that year. Which, National championship, which, most outstanding yes, player. Which, so which good advice. Yes. Again. But, but, but it could have gone the other way too, right? Like mm -hmm. he could have just not, you know, played well, but again, it helped him and he got better and, you know, obviously took his team to the championship and, and got drafted in the lottery and then we were able to trade, we trade for him. So that was good. Okay, so I always have a hard time wrapping my mind around your life. How do you schedule who you're seeing when on a global scale? Oof, yeah. Uh, well, like I said, I have a pretty good team uh, under me uh, who help me with different things. But then we have, you know, obviously we have a database where we track guys. Uh, you know, we track them since they're 14, 15, 16. So, and then the, uh, especially overseas, right? Because, you know, we get to go see because most of these kids uh, are in Barcelona, are in Real Madrid, and then we have also relationships with all these teams, right? Whether it's the GM, whether it's the head coach or the assistant coach, or whatever the case may be. And basically we start building profiles on these kids. Um, and then obviously there's tournaments all year long, you know, it's called, there's, you got the ANGT, which is the Adidas Next Generation Tournament. And that's when you get to see all these kids, 14, 15, 16. Um, and then, you know, I'm, like, for example, I'm, I'm two weeks, I'm going to Europe again, but I already know where I'm going, who I'm seeing, who I'm meeting with, and all these things. And it's just, I give credit to my staff and, you know, also just, you know, just today, in today's game, today's world, like, you know, with technology, like, you know, who's going to play where and, you know, how much, how many minutes and all of that. So that helps, you know, so I already have my stuff together and I'm right now I'm already planning for summer. You know, whether it's the Olympics or there's, you know, some under 18, under 19 World Cup, World Championships. So it's it's a non nonstop. I'm an thing. excellent um, travel organizer. Yeah. If you need a, a road buddy, I, right. I'm there for you. I'm, I'm happy to go to uh, Europe this summer yeah, if you need any. <laughs> and I feel like I would have a good eye for talent. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell me some of your hidden gems. Tell me some of the people that you found that you're super proud of that, you know, in years past. You're like, wow, I saw this guy on a gym in Croatia, and here he is now. Oh. <laughs> um, one, actually, is the kid, uh, Roddy Bobois. I don't know if you guys remember him. Um, in 2000, got drafted in 2009. Um, but then again, that comes from, you know, the relationship uh, that I've built prior. Uh, so when I was interning with Dallas, you know, 05, 06, I actually worked for Buna. I don't know if you know Buna, Wemby's agent. He used to be Rudy Gobert's, uh, he's Rudy Gobert's agent. Um, so one of his first clients was DJ Benga for Dallas. And so Donnie Nelson, you know, convinced Buna to move to the States. He was like, Hey, look, you got your first client. I know what you're trying to do. So I think you should, you know, move to Texas, you know, bring your family and establish. And I think you'll do great. So, cause he was getting, his agency was getting bigger. He was starting to get clients, more and more players. And, uh, so he moves and then I, I meet him. And obviously, because he's French, I speak French, uh, you know, he offered me a position as like his assistant to help him, you know, with his clients and all that. So that's when we, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to be in the agent's, agent's business, but uh, I wanted to learn. So like, as I was, was interning with Dallas, I was working with Buna and I helped him, you know, just establish his, his office in Texas. Uh, and then he had clients like, you know, Yad Mahimi and, Nicholas Batum, Rudy Gobert, like, you know, and then, you know, now he has Wemby, obviously, but, um, 
but that's how, and then, so we were just watching tape and things like that. And then there was a kid that was super intriguing to me and was Roddy Bobois, who reminded me a little bit of Rajon Rondo, like long, freak athlete, super fast. Um, and then Buna was able to get him as a client as well. And then um, next thing you know, the Mavericks drafted him and I was working for Dallas. So that that whole thing, you know, like- and then, It all comes together, it yeah, just like flows just, like water together. Yeah, yeah, relationships are so, so important in this business. So. And connections. It sounds like you have every connection in the book. Yeah, I've been fortunate. Okay, yeah. before I know they're going to give me the rap sign soon, so I want to get to the jazz a little bit. As as you're around the country, as you're going all over scouting, what is your priority for the Utah Jazz? Find the best player. <laughs> uh, but, you know, again, it's, you know, we're always out and about scouting. We're always, um, you know, just trying to find, you know, a gem, right? Like, so, and that's not easy. Um, but then again, because of the relationships that we have around the world in the States, whether it's here or wherever, um, you know, it's just, I'm just one phone call away, you know, literally to, to just say, Hey, is it worth coming to see this kid or, um, but then to me, I think what matters the most, you know, like most people can go watch the kid play. I mean, it's easy to evaluate, but at the end of the day, it's more of the background that's important to us as an organization as well. Who they are as people. Yes. How they'll fit in as a yes. person. Yes, that's that's super important for us. When did you see Larry Markin and how did you vouch for him? Oof. Uh, so Larry, I think it was at a, it was the NBA uh, global camp. I think it was in New York at the, during All-Star weekend. Uh, I think it was him, Dragon Bender, a few other guys. Um, and then I think 2017, I remember we, um, we were in Treviso for the Adidas camp, and I was with Donnie, my mentor, obviously. I was still with the Mavericks at the time, and uh, we were really, really trying hard to draft him <laughs> at number nine, but then he went number seven. So like, you bet a Lowry believer on We, we were, because like we, we thought he would be the next Dirk, like the perfect replacement for Dirk, because Dirk was on his way out. So um, we thought that was perfect, but Lowry went seven, and we went with Dennis Smith Jr. and I, so... Okay, are are there any other kids that you're like really proud of that you're like we should talk about this guy, this guy, this guy? Because I think these are fun stories for people. Yeah, I mean, so I'll I'll tell you a quick story. Um, I was during my sabbatical year, um, so I go to France, watch the international prospects. So that was January 2019, I think, still was around that time. Um, some I was some teams already reached out and it was in the middle of the year they reached out and we were I was having conversations about coming back you know to a team, but so I go to Europe especially France to watch uh, Seiko Dumbuya and then who was the other Killian Hayes you know just just doing my rounds and stuff right, so I fly into Paris and I get a text it was from Masai Ujiri, um, Toronto Raptors yeah Toronto GM. Raptors and he's and he's like hey man like you know how you doing. Um, well, they talked to you about Giants of Africa because he's got this program called GOA. And he was like, yeah, I want to talk to you about that and maybe see if we can do it in Ethiopia, in my native country. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, look, I just got the, you know, just landed in Paris, whatever. And he's like, oh, man, I was just there a couple of days ago. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and then that same day I got there, um, I have a friend of mine there. He's a coach, and he sends me a text. He's like, what are you doing tonight? And I said, nothing. And uh, he says, want to come watch this 14-year-old phenom? I said, uh is it worth is it worth it? He was like, sure, yeah, just yeah, you know, let me ask the coach if uh we can come attend practice. I said, sure. So we, we we have access to it. So like we go, I go to practice and I see this seven foot one, fourteen year old kid, and it was Victor Wembanyama. 
Yeah. You've seen Wemby since he was 14. Yeah. I saw him I have pictures. I have everything. And again, I wasn't with an NBA team or anything like that. So I tweeted. Like, I tweeted it too. Yeah. So I, I think I took a picture of him. He was 14, 7 1, 6 11, whatever it was, super mobile, uh, and just, just a baby. And uh, so I was like, okay, this must be Buna's kid too. So I picked the phone. <laughs> I call. And I'm like, hey, I just watched this seven-footer. Is he yours? He starts laughing. He's like, yep. And then in that gym, so that's a pro team, okay? It's a pro team in France. And uh, he was playing for the younger team of that pro team. And in that, when I was in that gym, uh, there was like a VIP section. And then there was, um, there was a paper taped on one of the chairs. And it was the Toronto Raptors. So you know. So that's where that's where Masai had Masai, been. Yeah, he'd been there watching. Yeah. So so what I'm trying to say is that people just do their jobs. Like they do their jobs early. They they go out. They watch. They they start you know building that profile you know in the kid and they start building relationships and and all of that. So so that was a funny story to me where like I just saw this seven footer at 14 just years old. Happened to. Yeah. It's uh, so on his draft night. You know he obviously he was in France and they his family was gathered mm. around him and I literally was like. Oh, he's got younger siblings. I oh, see yeah. brothers. I see sisters. Sister, yeah. I was like, and they're all playing. There's more, there's more women yamas yeah, to yeah, be they're, scouting. They're all playing. Both they're of them all are playing. playing. Yes, his sister is playing. His brother Oscar is also playing somewhere in France, but I haven't seen him play yet. But he's also pretty big. He's like six eight, six nine. Oh my gosh, that's so fun! Yeah. All right, I did want to ask you before we get you out of here about um, the Giants of Africa. You mentioned, mm -hmm. but the NBA Global Academy mm -hmm. and just. There are a lot of great players coming out of Africa. I did a story in, in college basketball about this about five years ago, um, about the influx of yeah. talent from Africa. How have you helped facilitate that? And how are you scouting yeah. those players now? Because I think that is that is a huge area that's going to keep flowing into the United States. I agree. I totally agree. So I've been I've been involved with Basketball Without Borders, Africa since I think 2008, 2009. Thanks to my mentor, Amadou, obviously, uh, and Masai as well. Um, and I've been going every year to that camp. Uh, quick story uh, as well. I mean, so 2011, we're at the camp, and it's in Joburg, and it's a bunch of us. So at the time, I was just a scout for the Mavericks, right? So, like, I'm a guest as a scout, but then I get to coach during the camp. So, And it's me and a few other guys, peers of mine from other teams, so we're all there, and we're scouting, and uh, so then at the end of the camp, there's a uh, we do it. We do an all-star game, so we select. So basically, it's about 80 kids in the camp, from age 15, 16, all the way to 18. So about 60 or 80 of them from 25, 26 different countries in Africa, and then at the end of the camp, we do an all-star game, and it's basically we take the top, we select the top 20 kids. Um, so we do that, and then two years later. Uh, 2013, I'm at the Nike Hoop Summit, sitting down, and uh, there's this kid on the world team, and it's Joel Embiid. And two years back, in 2011, Joel Embiid was one of those campers, but was not good enough because he was, he was skinny. He, he just barely started. Yes. He actually has told me this story because yeah. I covered a lot of his games when he got to Kansas. Mm -hmm. And some one of his friends was like, hey, can you come out to this this camp yeah. in um, his home country, yeah, and he didn't yeah. know anything about it. He hadn't really played. And it was Luke's camp. Yes. It was Luke Mbamute's camp. Yes, yeah. it was, and he yeah. gives him all the credit for getting him started. And then he went and got an old video cassette tape. This is yeah. a true story of Hakeem Olajuwon. Yeah. And that's how Joel Embiid 
learned how to play basketball was watching a VHS tape yeah. of Hakeem Olajuwon. Yeah. But but fast forward now he's here at this Nike camp, and, and Kansas sees him. And a, and a, yeah, and a bunch of guys that were with me uh, were at the camp, right? So we're all looking at each other like, do you remember this kid at the camp? And I had to actually, I still have it on my like in one of my drawers here on my desk. Like, I have the paper with his jersey number on his name super skinny and didn't even make the all-star team on that can that camp. right and then two years later i see this huge kid great footwork you know and all of that and i'm like where did this come from but it was like literally two years from 2011 to 2013. but the feet came from that video too yeah, I, just... like i was actually talking to abby elijah that's um hakeem's daughter mm -hmm. she's a scout now coach in the wmba and she's like he reminds me of my dad when he plays and i said well there's a good reason that's yeah, how we learned I mean, how to play but coming back, yeah, and then coming back to your thing, uh, to the question. Um, so, I so when when I left the Mavericks, I went to the NBA to start this program with the NBA Academies, uh, and my main focus was NBA Academy Africa. So I helped build that. Um, I was there for a year. Uh, but so look today, um, if you look at, you know, um, the game of basketball, especially in Africa, because of the NBA, like all the different things that Masai is doing with his program. The NBA is doing with the academies. Uh, I've been, you know, going back myself and, and try to do camps. You know, I've had guys like CJ McCollum and, you know, um, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Dikembe Mutombo, Luol Deng. Like, I know Chanane Ogumake went recently. Yes. yes. So we all, like, we all try to get together and try to really, you know, give back and by building courts and, and you know, giving back to the community, but mainly try to, to you know, to, to grow the game. Because when I was growing up there, like, I didn't have the opportunities that these kids have today, like, in terms of, you know, facilities and all that. And that's what the NBA with Masai and Lou Wall and all these guys are, are doing uh, just to, you know, grow the game in our continent. And I really, really think that that's where the future is. Like, there's a kid right now that's, I think, in the next two, three years will be an NBA player, and he's part of the NBA Academy in Africa. Oh, good. I hope we get him at the Utah Jazz. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you so much for joining us on the front row. Thanks, Ali.